The Monty and Wolf Show is, as usual, brought to you by esportsbet.io. And good news if you've been thinking about predicting for the rest of the playoffs as well as the world championships, your first bet on esports bet is totally risk free up to 100 USDT. All you have to do is head over to the esports bet website and you can either message their mods on the site itself or on their Discord. And if you lose, they will refund you up to 100 USDT for the first time. So go ahead, deposit some crypto, use our referral link below to get those DJT bonuses and play along in the world's prediction series as well. It's never been a better time. Here we are with another episode of the Monty and Wolf show, and it is post finals. Wolf was casting the finals after waiting for over an hour uh, where he got to watch some trash talk videos again. He got to watch himself on the the pog state is the most amount of people that have ever seen that podcast. So that was exciting for it. Uh, how was how was the finals experience for you, Wolf? It was really good. It was really unfortunate. We had the network problem. Um, it was very annoying for everyone and very stressful. Uh, and I actually didn't get to watch myself on the Pog State or the Trash Talk uh, episodes during the break or during that long time because we went backstage because every time I was at the casting desk, a million people were taking pictures of me and whoever else was there being like, I heard the casters are back. I heard the game is starting. So I was like, all right, well. <laughs> and, and I mean, the, the wait, arena wait, wait, was... Wait, the fans could talk to you on the casting no, no, desk? No, 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 no. People were taking pictures and, like, tweeting, like, I saw the casters went back to the desk. Oh, like, my God. I think, because, like, I, like, left my bag or something, I went back, and everyone's like, oh, the game is starting. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I think we just have to stay backstage. Because, I mean, there were I mean, so yeah. many people there uh, uh, that, it's, like... It's like I tweeted, Wolf, you know, would it really be an LCK summer match without an hour-long delay of some sort? It was keeping the tradition of this summer. This time, it wasn't a bug in the final, which was merciful, uh, but another issue instead. Really... I, you know, I was I was really bummed because uh, this was one of the very few times I could actually be awake during these matches because normally I'm just asleep and it's like 2 a.m. on the West Coast of the United States. And it started at 10. I was like, yes, we're going to get into game by 1030. But it's actually impossible. You know, the listed start time in esports is not actually the start time, which is one of the more annoying features of any esports match in any game right now. Um, because it makes having a life super difficult and watching watching esports. So I was like, okay, well, what's the opening ceremony? Like, I'm cool to finals. Like, I can wait a little bit. Ten thirty, and then by eleven thirty, I was just like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> there was a huge meme. Um, there was a huge meme in the Korean community of like, I ordered my chicken. Uh, I ordered my pizza. Like, I already finished. It was getting cold, so I ate it, and then now it's gone. And like, <laughs> I was like ready for this. I wanted to eat my like chicken and drink my beer and watch the finals. It was it was just a really unfortunate situation. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, sucks. Um, essentially, what happened for those who don't know is there was a network problem, which created like insane amounts of lag for the communication to where the actual production was happening, and so. They just didn't work. And we actually filled on air for about 20 minutes, but nobody could hear us. Um, and we weren't on camera. So we were just doing like narrative, like voiceover. It was, it was and... weird watching it because like you were just like cutting in and out. So I could hear like a word here or there. And then eventually it just went away. And for the first like five minutes of it, it when our monitors were like shaking and spazzing out, um, that was what was happening to us. Like we were having the monitors like kind of freeze and the audio was cutting out. Um, and, they, and everything was still happening production wise and the Korean commentators were still talking. So at, at first, as a, in the English desk, we thought like, oh, we got a problem on our desk specifically that's yeah, like yeah, related yeah. to only what's happening with us. But we thought the stream was still fine. So we were like still trying to talk <laughs> over everything and nobody could hear us. And uh, eventually we opened Twitch chat and saw like what was going on. And our producers were like frantically trying to figure everything out. But we got there in the in the end. The finals did eventually start. And, yeah, although uh, I will say the hour-long delay was uh, really apt. Uh, it was an apt metaphor for T1's performance because it took over an hour for them to show up uh, after the game started as well. Game 3 was really the only competitive one that we saw in this best-of-five series. But I am thrilled. Uh, I did make a $10,000 bet on Genji. <laughs> great odds, 1.5. So that went great. Uh, but also, I mean, it was really just perfect that we saw Chovy and Ruler finally win. I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, it really felt like their time. I heard you saying on the Pog State the truth, which is like, if it's not now, 
when is it going to like what are the circumstances that would be better than this for yeah. Gen G? That that was something that like um I talked to uh Kenzie about when I did an interview with him and I, I spent a lot of time talking to the Korean casters about this and like that was kind of the prevailing feeling is like oh, if yeah. they don't do it this time, like it's never gonna happen. And um and they did it and they did it really hard and yes. they they absolutely nailed it. Um <laughs> so <laughs> I mean this that is was this is the result that if you were being objective about both of the team's play and like we we talked about on the last episode of this show what what would the matchup kind of boil down to what it would what would it look like and it looked a lot like what we talked about but the question was are these guys just going to inexplicably choke again because you can't account for the, that factor but if you take into all all the factors that you can account for this looked like the series that we would have predicted yeah and i think the choke factor you know was more of an issue for t1 here in this series where they really didn't perform very well uh under the pressure and i think the drafting was the most glaring weakness and this is why the t1 fans send the trucks because they don't really have a strong coaching staff right they have <laughs> don't have Holt, they have moment and they have faker right i mean that's I, what's I, going here's, on here's what's so wild about that see i can say this because no one else can say this, guys. I am telling you, I am telling you, this is not a theory. Baker is the coach of this team, okay? When they fired all the other coaches, they didn't replace them with game knowledge coaches. So don't go shitting on Polt. Polt is doing Polt's job. Polt is not a League of Legends gameplay expert. He is a very seasoned former StarCraft and TFT pro who they bring in to manage the team and manage the roster and manage personalities between people because he's an older accomplished figure with, and this is typically the way that a lot of Korean teams operate. Okay. You can't expect Polt, even though he is very smart, he's a very smart he's guy, insanely smart. He's really smart. Um, you can't expect him to know the ins and outs of strategy with the limited amount of time that he has spent in league of legends. That's not reasonable. And it's also not his job. So yeah. when we talk about the coaching staff of this team, what we're when you send trucks saying to change the coaching staff, what you are saying is to replace Faker as the coach of this team. That is the actual thing that you are saying, which not unreasonable. But the problem is, is that this is the way that this team has chosen to function. And why would you change it when it was previously starting at summer last year and going through basically right now going pretty well for you? Yeah. And I mean... The the problem with coaching Faker is that he knows everything. Like he has yes. seen everything. Um and perhaps he was having, you know, internal issues with the previous coaching staff, which was set, rotating all the players around him like crazy. Um and even rotating him out uh, occasionally closing I mean, that was a, instead of him. Yeah, that was a bad call. <laughs> um and and so I mean it's it's difficult to solve this problem, but uh, and it's definitely not one you're going to solve in the middle of a best of five finals um, where the meta is so favoring your opponent's playstyle and their champion pool versus yours that like whether they had a coach or not, you know, or if they had tried yeah. to hire one as the fans suggested, wouldn't have actually made an impact here because you can't change these five players in that short amount of time. So it's so not going to happen. Here's here's my argument, Wolf. I think that. You know, one of the values that coaches in league, good coaches in League of Legends or in esports provide is that on a long enough timeline, you know, if you have a really solid group of players fundamentally, which Team One definitely does, at the start of a season, because Riot makes these big off-season moves every year, right? Before people figure out the meta, um, a, a solid group of players can kind of just overwhelm their opponents on individual strength, even on off-meta picks. The longer the meta settles and the closer you get to worlds when a lot of changes aren't happening anymore and you need to adapt your players strengths to the meta that is the point at which a coach becomes extremely valuable and i think the longer this goes on with t1 you see that yeah you can't make an immediate turnaround but like i would hope that a coach could step in and say Hey, we need to play to our team's strengths with Zayas in the top lane. Hey, maybe we need to do some stuff with Gumayushi here to make him less aggressive. Maybe owner's champion pool needs to get fixed for this jungle meta. Like, it's the coach's responsibility to see these things coming down the pike 
and head them off before they become the issue. And I think what yeah. we're seeing in this finals is that, you know, T1 started this split after the durability patch, and they're coming off of a very intense schedule at MSI, and they're relying on the old staples, the constant meta picks, the Lee Sins, the playmakers, right? But as the meta develops and you have to see, you know, better teamwork, uh, we're seeing these hyper carries where the 80 carries uh, basically ability to stay alive becomes extremely important in these fights and owner can't rely on mechanics, but has to rely on brain that this is where they start to come apart a little. Yeah. And the the games that we saw of owner like game one, he plays the Wukong. So I mean, he was fine. fucking terrible. He was fucking terrible in the series. Like, I, I, look, no, then, nobody else is going to say it. But, like, he was bad. He was straight bad. I mean, that's why Peanut got MVP. Because yeah. Peanut just played so much better than him. And um, in game one, Peanut played Sejuani. And he had better rotations. His timings, he was everywhere. And then in game two, it was an even larger gap between the two of them, which was hard to fathom. I mean, owner and just completely left Faker out to dry while he was Faker, playing this Morgana. Like, and I don't even know. This is this is the anti. This is also where you need to coach. This is the anti-owner pick. This is a, I'm going to have very low mechanics farm, but also here's the thing. He should have very strong synergy with Renekton in the mid lane with Morgana, yep. but he wasn't covering when Faker and was they pushing. they weren't communicating. He was just, he was just farming and like farming for what? For level six on Morgana? Okay. And then, and then what is the question? Meanwhile, Faker is just getting ganked by Peanut in the mid lane, but this is, and like Peanut knows Morgana in and out. He was the one who kind of brought Morgana into this meta. It's been him and Canyon and, that have been actually successful on this champion. So also they this whole draft in game two, the, the whole game two draft was predicated on a sudden NAR flex, like a sudden NAR draft swap where they flex the Renekton mid into a Silas. So A, you're playing Renekton into Silas, which the Silas Sejuani has a lot of power in because you have a melee champion. You're going to be able to set up the, the permafrost. Also... You're you're picking uh, into a NAR into Silas, which was not the reason why they lost that game, but there was a really cool play uh, by yep. Chovy around the Baron when the game was already over uh, long before that. But you you did those things, and then Faker, who has played Renekton a few times in the past because it has been a flex to mid quite a bit, especially in 2021, he comes in and is leaning aggressively against Chovy while his jungler is on Krugs the first time he dies. And there's just clearly no communication between Faker and owner in this moment while he's right. trying to trade aggressively pre six on Renekton. I'm like, what's going on? Because you don't know where Peanut is. The thing and is, he instantly kills you. I mean, the, it's true. But the thing is, is Faker has to play that way in this matchup. Like the Renekton matchup into Silas is, is good, but it's the same shit with Renekton and topside right now. If you're not pushed, if you're not taking plates, you're not Renekton, Renektoning. <laughs> Renectoning uh, properly, uh, and you just have to be able to cover for that. And realistically, like owner should have spent his time covering and playing their really strong two v two in the mid lane. Yeah, I mean the extra damage from the Morgana W in the trades like that can just win you the lane. Like even if you don't kill, you just come over and cover the lane, drop a pool, Push, and then walk yeah. away and stay stay on Raptors and then drop another pool then suddenly Renekton can actually push and maybe even get plates. But it was just, like, it's it's so true what you were saying earlier, and this is what I was saying on the cast, because I felt very strongly that you're, you're playing into a comp that plays to Peanut's strengths while also playing owner's weaknesses in terms of his rotations. And, <laughs> like, Morgana is the least, like, one of the least skill-expressive champions in League of Legends. You hit the You hit the Q or not. And there was the one moment where he was chasing Chovy and he's like, I'm going to get you with a binding. And Chovy's like, wait, ha, no, you didn't. Because like, that's how <laughs> yeah. binary the champion is. Like, <laughs> I mean, owner can't like have the sick outplay. He's like, I hope he, you can predict with the sidestep correctly. That's about it. Right. Or you can have yeah. a sick, like reactive black shield, but there are limits. There are limits. Yeah. Um, you also give Chovy access to a pretty powerful ult for Silas because he can actually gap close. So that Borg ult can be really devastating. Um, I mean, they had they had more Renekton and Nar ults for Silas in that game, which is and Zeri. <laughs> yeah, oh, and, no, no, no. and Yumi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's like, and they're already running a Neela comp. Like, I don't know. It's not good. This draft just really, that, that draft really left the worst taste in my mouth of the of all of them. But I thought if it was played really? perfectly, okay. it could have been strong. Look, like, if look, it was played perfectly, I think it, it, it could have worked. But look, well, I love things that make me look right. And this draft made me look super right. So I actually really enjoyed it uh, from Gen G's perspective, because here's the thing. Like, we knew that this was going to be a series that we talked about the most exciting or interesting matchup being owner versus peanut. And we talked about the limitations that were going to exist around this matchup. And it really felt like owner just I mean, this is peanuts playground, this meta. And you saw we talked about hands versus brains. And when you start to have matchups of Sejuani versus Morgana, brains are going to win in that matchup instead of hands. And it was a really good encapsulation of that. It was also Gen G playing the pocket singed pick. I also love when players will like give up certain champions and then take those champions to the next game and then absolutely dominate with them. So the fact that they gave up Zeri Yumi beat it by playing this pocket pick that Lehens is now five and oh on undefeated in his professional career with the singed play it super well. And then they come back and they say, Hey, we can play this. You know, we can play the Yumi Zeri. Do you have anything to beat it? And the answer was no. And like that, that the- just goes to show Genji is just like a master of this meta. Like you love I love to see that level of dominance and that level of mastery because this is what we want. Like you may think Korean League of Legends fans that you wanted a really close matchup, but you didn't want that. What you wanted was Genji shit stomping a questionably skilled T1 because that is what make may make them win worlds, right? Like if this was a close match with T1 in their current form, Genji was underperforming. You wanted this to be an absolute dominant performance for two reasons. If you're a T1 fan, you want them to fix their shit in the next month before world starts. And the only way to do that is for them to get absolutely clapped right now because it's going to show them that they have to work harder and this is where they have to go. And hopefully yeah. we see a better iteration of T1 at Worlds. And if you're a Gen G yeah. fan, you wanted the dominance because this should have been their time to shine. You didn't want them to choke. You wanted them to live up to the hype. You wanted them to prove that they were a world class team and that their real opponents are not in Korea. They're JDG and top esports over in LPL, who both look very scary right now. Yeah, JDG, I mean, at this moment in time is the team that I have as my front runner to, to win worlds. I think they're super strong, but that's another topic for another region podcast, maybe, or maybe some other time when we get into worlds content later. But I I think that the, there's a, there's a huge meme on the Korean community right now, which is like, um, it's like you banned singed. Like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you left singed open against Lehens. What the fuck are you doing? And then it's like, oh, you prepared sends. You're trying to practice singed so you can have it as a Yumi counter. What the fuck are you doing? Like, it's kind of like this meme. Like it's just like you're you're trapped in like these three realities as T1. Like is 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 Karia actually trying to prepare the singed counter pick? Can you play it like Lens? No. It's like oh, you you're banning you're banning singed now. What are you doing? Like you can't ban that champion in this in, in any meta. It's a super rare niche pocket pick that Lens can play and. If you leave it open and tr- play Yumi into it, this is the one team that will just say, this is standard for us. We win easy. And like, that was the thing that was like, it was probably the least hype singed pick we've had in a better part of a decade because it was just like, we've seen this before. We know about it. It's super obvious. Like if you were if you had not been following the LSK or you didn't know about it, it could have been hype for you. Like if you're just kind of out of the loop. It was just kind of like the most predictable thing we knew coming. It was so obvious, and it just wasn't even hype because of that. We're like, yeah, yeah, no, he picks singed here and he wins because that's how dominant this team is right now. And the one unbeatable duo, Zeri Yumi, Genji also has the answer to that. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think like it it does prevent Genji presents really interesting. Um, difficulties for a lot of teams as a result of that because they can play the meta pick so well and then they can also have these pocket counters and they also have a lot of freedom and bans as we saw like they were willing to just okay uh regardless of the side there's going to be no nautilus ballista you know drave in these picks uh we're not going to let you have them and like having the luxury on red side to be able to ban korea's nautilus which is just a power like a power pick that isn't 
a typical meta band is such an insane luxury for Gen G, but they have the flexibility that they can pull this off, right? It allows them, yeah, it allows them to take away Karia's best champion, or in my opinion, um, and he has looked way better on engaged champions throughout yep. this whole year than he has on enchanters, and allow and empowers their potential red side uh, Zeri pick if T1 picks something else. So it's like, well, now one of your best answers to locking down Zeri is gone. Karia loses this pick. And Genji is so ahead of them in every way. Like you said, they can afford this extra ban. The one ban that that really weighed down T1 was Poppy. the peanut perma Poppy ban. And <laughs> Poppy ban on I mean, I, 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 I just, I mean, I, I talked about it to death on the cast. I was a broken record on it. But like, that was the one ban that, like literally Live Sandbox also banned it against him every game. All seven games Genji played in playoffs, Peanut was never allowed to play the pick. He changed the whole meta on this pick. He changed how this pick is played. Hex Flash or no, he was killing it every time. It's okay. You can use Hex Flash like, apparently in LCK, but none of the other regions, as I yeah. learned. Which is weird. <laughs> I don't know what changed between 14, 10, 12, 14 and twelve fifteen that broke it, but I think it might I think I mean I mean, the, no thing, one, the no weird one thing is it was already broken, right? And then I guess 1214 yeah. is okay, and then 1215 rebroke it or something? I think that's I think that's um, kind of PR speak for Korea decided it was okay. We yeah. do not think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's you're, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. It, it was um, weird, though, to see all the other regions, which are on 1215, have Hex Flash disabled, and then Korea just play Hex Flash. It was probably just a decision that like the LCK made differently than everyone else. I is my guess, but I mean there might be something that just we don't know about that's on twelve fifteen that's super broken. Um, but yeah, the the peanut permaban on this poppy pick just meant that you as T one were always going to be giving one of these big like trifecta meta picks over to Gen G every game no matter what. And the fact that Chovy plays Azir in the first game and they have Zeri and they have Lulu, I'm like. This is a problem. Doran <laughs> will like it was so obvious when they picked Sejuani fourth too. You're like, okay, yeah, they're gonna pick Sejuani because it's flexible. They wait and see, and then they can pick the Aatrox R5 because Sejuani can be played in the jungle is super strong in that yep. um in that position. Well, and like, I think I, I think what you're talking about is true because look at T1's first round of of bans in game one. I mean, they're on blue side. They're on blue side, and they have to ban Yumi, Poppy, and Lucian. That is that is a terrible ban for blue side. Like you want all of those. You should be leaving one of those up to first pick. But they tried that and they got countered by singed. So it's like it, it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't. And T1, I think, wisely chose to switch to red side for the last game. Um, but that was I, I think blue side. Those bans really show your problems if you're T1. Like you 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 can't let ruler have Lucian. You can't play Lucian. You can't let Peanut have Poppy. You can't play Poppy. And you can't, you you know you can't play Yumi because the Singed is coming. So you also have to ban the Yumi because you have no counter. Like that is, yeah. that is super bad for T1. I was shocked that we didn't see one game. Like I really expected there would be one game where Owner was willing to play Trundle. Because I think that's the one meta pick right now that's kind of a more brainy champion that, I, that he looked better on. Um, he didn't play it that much, but he looked better on it than the Poppy that he played very rarely as well. And even on the wins he took, it was not the same level as Peanuts. And I, mean, what I think about, that would have been what about Jarvin happy too? To play like Jarvin I would as well. You know, if I was T one, I probably I agree. I would have gone into Trundle or Jarvin and just tried to level two gank with one of those champions and just see if I could accelerate the game state early on. I also thought one of the champions that they could have played in game two instead of the Morgana, which has again we've talked about the skill expression or lack thereof for owner on this pick. But instead, he could have played a pick that he's extremely good at, that works really well with Renekton, has extremely good range in poke. Could have played Nidalee. Not very meta. Could have played Nidalee. I was talking with Rush about this after the show, and he was like, yeah, definitely could have been, could have been yep. a thing. Because like, you have a Neela comp on the other side that's super divey. You have the threat with Renekton Nidalee, obviously, in the mid lane against Silas. You can, of course, go top for Nar too, and it's pretty decent there. And you have so much poke where you could slow down team fights, slow down objective fights, especially with the buffs to the Drake health and, and Rift Herald and stuff like that. You can actually slow those down and use spear poke to actually then set up for your fights in the neutral instead of just relying on, you know, Morgana engage. And also, if you uh, had, if Peanut is ganking mid lane repeatedly when you're playing Nidalee, 
the threat of counter jungling and losing a lot of your farm because Nidalee can farm a lot faster is also a thing like and it's it's crazy to me because owner is such a good Nidalee player that this just didn't this was not a thing that like came across their mind when they're thinking about all right we have to flex renekton mid zayas has to play nar top we're trying to go back to comfort here a little bit um i mean I the thought that would have been was always there choice. too the lee sin was always there too it's not like lee sin is absolutely unplayable in this meta like it's not the best but i think you have to consider these options when that's the way that your team was winning a lot of their games earlier on in the split and you can still make certain out plays on champions like so I mean, I was really just, I, the Morgana pick made, made no sense to me. It's like you are peanut knows exactly what you're going to do on that pick. Uh, he knows it way better than owner does. Why are you why are you just giving him these gifts throughout this series? And the thing is, Morgana, it's almost as if they misunderstood what the Morgana was picked by peanut for because why peanut picked Morgana was as a poppy counter. They have banned every game in the series, but what Morgana can do against a Poppy is because her movement is so predictable when she charges or when she's charging up her uh, ultimate is lock her down and prevent her from actually making that big impact play. Plus, obviously, he's just good into she's good into a lot of melee champions and Sejuani included in terms of Sejuani's engage. But Sejuani has a non-committal long range engage she can use that, you know, the Morgana isn't going to be able to stop. Yeah, she could black shield, but she isn't be able to stop that every time and there's so many other threats in this composition you have to deal with when they also have nar ult on their side like the black shield wow. is not really an argument in this case i don't think there's also the question of in the last time these two teams faced off t1 played orn and in spite of the fact that they lost that game one of the big positives was the orn was the poppy counter where orn was using bellows breath to block poppy ult and T1 was really good at that. They were actually extremely consistent at blocking that poppy ult. So I would have said, hey, man, Zayas can block this ult. Like, let's figure out how to use Orn if we're going to leave the poppy up. I mean, and then you get to the third game of this series where it gets so desperate for T1 in the jungle that they have to ban four junglers against Peanut. They, they end up banning Poppy, Callista, Sejuani in the first rotation, then Wukong and Skarner. And yes, you put... Peanut on Jin Zhao, and the Jin Zhao didn't look great. It was Peanut's probably worst game of this series. Still didn't die, by the way. He only died one time in this entire series. But what did you give up? You gave up fucking Exodia comp to Gen G of Zeri, Yumi, Azir, Renekton. Yeah. Was that worth it? Was that worth the four jungle bands? I don't think so. <laughs> well, the Mordekaiser pick was a cool idea, and we've seen this uh, pick into Renekton quite a bit over the years, uh, especially, again, in 2021. We saw a few times uh, in, like, the Kespa Cup, this was a thing we were seeing uh, in 2021 as well. Like, early 2021, this was very common. Khan played it a lot, uh, in particular, and it's, you know, you play weak side up there, you feel pretty good about your ability to survive dives. We talked about this a lot on the broadcast, but you can detach Yumi mm -hmm. from whatever target she's attached to at that moment in time. But realistically, with the range that this comp has and the speed at which the Zeri can elude you, and that's where the Yumi is going to be uh, most of the time, until the Mordekaiser ult gets popped, and then you can put the Yumi anywhere. Yep. Yep. And because Crescent Guard exists, like he doesn't want to ult the, the Xinxiao, like And like in each and every fight, he either was like, like one-third health before he could actually be in range to ult anyone. Like, Zayas, this is not, uh, by the way, in my opinion, Zayas's fault. It's just the problem of the composition they were running. So he can't actually get close enough to anybody without losing all of his health bars. Or he gets close enough to the wrong target and ults somebody who's irrelevant in the fight while Ruler is just running around with the Yumi on his back being like, cool, now that you've used your ult, um, allow me to 1v4 your team because that's what he did in those late-game team fights. Well, you know in the mid-game team fights as well. Game one also, T1 gave him so much money early, and I think if that didn't happen, then maybe that game ends up going a little bit more towards T1's favor. Like, they had a lot of potential picks there. Faker was missing a lot of charms. Peanut blocked that super good charm in game one as well around the Drake fight. And if you're not hitting charms and you're giving kills to Ruler because you're forcing team fights, you're going to have a bad time. It's too much to ban. The series just felt like the there was like two tier breaks between these two teams. Oh, yeah. Like it wasn't even fair. All right, T1 was just 
drinking from a fire hose, right? There was there was too much to handle from Gen G, which I think is it says a lot about Gen G's potential international competition. Obviously, it's going to depend on the patches and how the meta shifts heading into worlds. There are, I would say, a few deficiencies with Gen G. Notably, one of them is Ruler is not a Draven player. I think is is mildly concerning but at the same time they can just ban draven so it's not like they have so many holes to plug uh in the draft that they're they're not gonna you know if, if they're up against jackie love they can just ban the draven just like we saw draven banned in this series because they're yeah. just so threatening on everything else um maybe there'll be a pick that they can't play i don't know what that pick would be wolf because apparently yeah, they can play yeah. Neela comps pretty well uh, maybe it's something with Doran in the top side that we haven't seen. That's a possibility. But I this looks that, like a yeah, pretty fucking complete team, honestly. I, I think about, like, Ruler versus Hope, and I, I see, like, a world where, because Hope does a lot of the same things that Ruler does very very similarly, like, they could have an overlap there where the Draven becomes really high value because you want to keep that one open if they pick the Callista, or then you have to ban Hope's Callista, and, like, there's some weird interactions there that could go bad for him, but... Otherwise, it looks very good for Genji for having a good run at Worlds. I don't want to say, like, they're taking the trophy after this series, but we'll have to wait and see what the meta is first before we can make bigger, bigger predictions on that. And, uh, you know, just straight up, I think this team's synergy is better than it's ever been. The macro plays we were seeing Genji do to T1, which T1 was so famous for in spring, obviously, and in summer of last year, were really good. The cross map was insane. They shut down several cross maps. And I don't think T1 played their best series by any means. I, I think they underperformed, uh, sure. even though it was Genji's night to win for sure. Like I think T1 also didn't play up to their their full standards, especially in game two. And I I'm hopeful for what Genji is going to bring to Worlds. And it's the first time since the since the rebranding from Samsung really where I look at Genji and I go, they could go all the way. Yep. And I think if they don't, it will not be because BDD chokes on stage or something crazy happens and Ruler gets caught at a weird spot and like we're disappointed with Genji when they lose. I feel like no matter what, this is my I mean, I think this is a prediction I can make now. Genji won't choke. They won't underperform. If they don't win worlds, it will be because there's a better team at worlds that just outdoes them and beats them. That's my that's my like bold prediction. I think it's pretty realistic at this point to think that this is not the same Genji. This is not a Genji that's going to disappoint us at an international competition again like we saw even last uh season or last worlds where bd had the greatest start to a series ever and then the worst end of a series <laughs> in the same best of five so yeah and I, they were still i mean if we if we look at it objectively like it was almost an all korean world finals last year it was just that one game that prevented that from happening so genji also uh played a very close series against the eventual champion um I mean, I look at I look at JDG in these playoffs and I think it's they have a remarkable ability to team fight from behind and to like muscle their way back into games. And sure, that's that's like very concerning because their their understanding of their ability to engage and like track summoner cooldowns and really find those moments to strike is is kind of next level, I think, right now. But the counterplay to that or the, the counterpoint, I shouldn't say, it's not a counterplay to that. They're, it's hard to counterplay that. Um, the counterpoint to that is that Gen G is still the ultimate, uh, the ultimate team when it comes to sucking all of the gold out of the map. And they are yep. just so good at maximizing resources that it'll be very interesting. I think that's a really interesting matchup because I expect Gen G to be ahead versus JDG. But then JDG their punishes if you're if you slightly miss macro and they find that opening is so huge and that genji likes to split and take all of the gold on the map so they're going to have to be really cautious in that matchup against jdg because i think they will be surprised at how jdg can engage on them in ways that other teams simply don't and i, I able to watch a little bit more LPL recently since regular season ended because I you know I usually don't get to watch regular season of LPL because it's just I'm I'm working five days a week it's not at the same time as me I mean and there's I, this one I have to sleep you know games right <laughs> uh, yeah so but but in the lead up to MSI when I was VOD reviewing for RNG and then in recent playoff games I think the one thing I will say about LPL that I, I think has changed and I think is misidentified by people a lot is that 
it's the team fighting region and they only team fight and it's like everyone's Im image of lpl is just like two rams crashing their heads together but i think the the way that vision control by these teams has changed over the last two years is is quite impressive and i think that's now, a RNG's huge really reason why yeah i think rng one MSI in part due to their really amazing vision manipulation. I think that's going to be a huge thing that factors into um, that potential matchup between JDG and Genji because you won't be able to just push uh, side lanes for free forever and just be like, all right, cool, I'm going to back now like Chovy often does, like Doran yep. often does to make those cross maps. And so Peanut will actually have to escort one of the two of them, I think, oftentimes to make sure they can actually get that extra farm. Um, so the jungle matchup becomes more interesting there too. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing those two teams collide, though, because I think we will see that happen in playoffs, and it will be amazing. Yeah, I think uh, Genji has a better matchup versus top esports because top esports gets kind of throwy uh, in the late game, or they pick compositions that don't necessarily scale as well, and they make positional errors like the longer the game goes on. Um, so I, I, I would be less afraid of, of them. It's like Genji should be afraid because... Like you're saying, when Chovy's out there collecting all the gold on the map, well, what happens to Chovy, or I think more importantly, what happens to the other four members of Gen G? Because that's when JDG just bowls you over with five members and gets some insane engage that you didn't even think was possible off from half a screen away. So that's the that's the real threat, I think, is JDG to Gen G. I, I feel confident in Gen G's other matchups. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty I think that's pretty fair. Um and I think like usually we are pretty confident in the lck to not like the, our top team if we're just talking about not regions but like gen g i think we're pretty confident that if gen g does end up meeting t1 for example in quarters um or in semis like they will smash them again yeah <laughs> and i think that we could probably expect the same of whether it's dom on live sandbox um or kt rolster that they could potentially face of course in the I said playoffs earlier, but I mean the knockouts, of course, top eight. So I I do think that like JDG right now seems to be the biggest threat and um, who knows? But uh, <laughs> I I want to talk about now, I guess, the world's qualifiers that are coming right. up because we're on, before this, we, we're on this topic. Before we do that, before we discuss the world's qualifiers and the last two teams, we're going to take a quick break, guys, and we'll be back. This show is brought to you by esportsbet.io. And thankfully, we got the big win, 10,000 USDT on eSports Bet for Gen G last week, returning us 5,000 overall. So we did very well. As you're about to hear, we have the world's qualifier coming up for the Korean region to determine the third and fourth seed. And you know what? Wolf and I think Dom Wan Kia is going to take a close win here over Live Sandbox. So we are going to go ahead, put 3,000 here onto Dom Juan Kia and see if we can do just as well this coming week. All right, welcome back. Time to talk about the world's qualifiers for Korea. Have to say, Wolf, I actually really do enjoy this format. So for those of you who don't know, uh, what happens is that we have two best of fives, one between Dom Juan Kia and Live Sandbox and the other between KT and DRX. Damon Key and Live Sandbox. The winner of that match qualifies for Worlds. The loser plays the winner of KT versus DRX. So what it is, is it's a four-team bracket where the top, it's like a semifinal bracket, but the, only the top gets double elimination. Um, the bottom does not. If you guys are familiar with the way that some of these like LCS and LEC playoff brackets have been working, it's like that, but with four teams instead of six or eight, um, which is cool. I mean, and the as much as we may not like the LCK playoff format. I do think that, you know, there was a possibility this year, I guess, that Live Sandbox goes into the loser's bracket and then they make it back up to the finals. I think they probably beat T1. If I had to guess, Live Sandbox is probably the second best team in Korea right now. Yeah. And we see a rematch, but it wouldn't have made these playoffs good because I think Genji just wins harder in the rematch in the finals than they did previously. So... 
I don't know how much, you know, double elimination would have helped us this year. Still would like to see it. But my point is, I, Wolf, yeah. my point is, is that if you include the regional qualifier, it is sort of a double elimination bracket in the end because we do yeah. get to see kind of the rest of these teams get another shot at Worlds. In fact, it's kind of like a triple elimination bracket in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, the old format, for those who don't know, was a gauntlet format, just like the old LCK playoff format yep. was a gauntlet format. So you usually have two teams obviously already seeded in based on who wins the championship and who has the next most points. And it was usually like very clear at that point which two teams are going. Then you had the team that was in third wait in the finals of the gauntlet and the teams would battle it out like in a stepladder type format to see who faces the third team in terms of points. And they would get one try there. But now we have four seeds, so we get the opportunity to have a really cool format like this instead, which... I think is really awesome because otherwise you would just like step down to like weaker competition and do that same gauntlet format again with three seeds. So, so a third seed would just automatically happen. This is like a final awesome test. It, it really does feel like a mini tournament to make sure that we actually have the best representatives. Um, and I, I think we have the best format because of it. So, you know, we're not going to accidentally because of one weird best of five, not send Dom one if they're the ones who should go. Right. Um, they get another chance. So, it also I rewards cool. teams pretty heavily for their performance throughout the entire year, which it should be the point uh, of the regional qualifier. Um, uh, yeah, and also you get to see the th third through sixth teams, so you get to actually see 60% of the league at least have a shot of making it to Worlds, which is where you want to be, because if you're, if you're seventh place or lower, like, you clearly didn't, you clearly underperformed at one part of the year or another, and so probably don't deserve that chance to go to Worlds. But even if you have like a bad spring and you're climbing back up and get to sixth by summer, you have a chance to make that kind of miracle run. And, yeah. and it doesn't require a ton of different matches. You just have to win two best of fives, which seems and reasonable. summer summer uh, points are weighted much more heavily. Yeah. So you don't if you didn't have like a good um, spring, but then you had a decent summer, like you're probably going to make it into the bracket because the recent form is more important because Worlds is like literally happening after that tournament. So the bracket itself has uh, just a tell you guys what it is uh the first top seeds are Don Juan Kia versus Liv Sandbox so the winner of that matchup will directly be our third seed and will avoid yep. play-ins yep. so they will not have to play in play-ins the loser will face off against KT Rolster because KT Rolster is going to beat DRX there's zero chance DRX wins that best yeah. of five. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say zero I have learned from watching KT in playoffs and at the end of the regular season that KT is capable of throwing anything in a, in a high pressure moment in the final game of the series. So I won't say zero, but I will say I think it's highly unlikely that DRX would. I mean, basically, I feel like we saw the peak of what DRX is capable of with death just like popping off, and that wasn't enough. So why would yeah. it be enough now versus KT? And especially with a matchup against aiming, that seems unlikely. I think the only, the only way that that goes well for DRX is if both King and Pioshik just somewhat randomly have a huge resurgence of form and, and play very well. And KT also then are underperforming, like you were saying. It's it's also going to be Deft's last professional series, probably, if they lose it. So that's, you know, just a sad, sad reality of it. And uh, he won't be able to go and compete for his last chance at a Worlds title. Um, so... Fucking, if he had been, just been picked... Wolf for the Asian games and the Asian games had happened this year and they would have won and maybe it wouldn't be his last game. Yeah. Could have, could have been the thing. I mean, he could have also <laughs> just been because he's one of the oldest players and one of the most famous players been given the gold medal on the bench. Um, to, uh, <laughs> That's to true, actually. Well. Like they could have just they like, honestly, if him. it were up to me based on, you know, in the past in Korean culture with the gold medal sports, like for example, for uh, soccer, football, whichever region you're from, um, they just sub everybody in at the last second to make sure everybody plays and everybody gets exemption from the military. It's like a tradition. So I think if you, I, I don't know the technical rules for it, but I think in the uh, Asia games, you don't even have to be subbed in and you just get a medal <laughs> and you get exempt. So like, it could I mean, have been Jeff, a cool Jeff move could to also be like, have been subbed in to beat up on some shitters. You know, it's not like they would have needed true, true. full strength against anybody except for China. So true, true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been. It's really sad that that didn't happen. Um, because that would have been really nice for him to just to get to extend his career and potentially even just straight up like go be a coach right after the season if he wanted to. Or, you know, he doesn't even, even if he wants to just stop being a player, could have just gone and done whatever he wants. 
Um, skipping the military is pretty sick for, you know, keeping two years of your life. Um, but anyway, sad that he's potentially going to be knocked out in that series. Um, I think the really most difficult one to predict is the uh, potential series between Live Sandbox and KT if it happens. Um, I think that's the one that, that gets a little bit crazy. Yep. Because um, remember, KT did lose technically, but beat Live Sandbox. <laughs> they should have won. They should. They, they, they ran it down at the last possible second. <laughs> Two of the Korean commentators, I won't say who I was talking to, um, basically were also referencing this when I was talking to them last night. <laughs> and we're saying, talking about that series as if KT won and also had to be reminded that KT did in fact lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lose that series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, if you watch that, like, like KT won that series, but actually lost it. It was, it was impressive. It's so I funny. Mean, like, to be fair, KT also way. won against DRX in the playoffs and then, or I mean, Dom won and then Dumb actually one, yeah. lost it. So they did it twice, which is why the, the ultimate razor cake cometh, right? This is the problem with KT is that for 99% of the series, they're the better team, but the 1% that actually matters, they fucking throw. I think I have a little bit of recency bias based on the decisions that Live Sandbox decided to make and how they seemingly gave up in that final game against Gen.G. Um, in terms of, like, mentality, I, that doesn't instill confidence to me in, in a team that's going to go to Worlds and have to play best of fives against some of the best teams the world has to offer. Um... I'm kind of leaning towards, I think, Damwon because I've had a lot of extra time to prepare now, and Liv Sandbox's style has been so binary, and Damwon are so flexible, and that Heimerdinger draft against T1 was actually genius, even though it didn't work. They didn't play it perfectly or correctly um, around some of the early objectives. I think I want to give an edge to Damwon, and I really didn't think I was going to be saying that. I mean, the, thing, if, the th thing about that Damwon draft is they can run it back against Liv Sandbox. I mean, that's, that's a good draft against Liv Sandbox. Yeah, and you can't ban all of those champions because it wasn't even a hard lock that they were going to draft it that way. Like, they saw the Asso uh, Seneflex. Like, there's um, what you're so saying many Wolf, ways. is Damwon Kia is actually the second best team in Korea. <laughs> right? <laughs> Me? I mean, I like maybe <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say because we didn't have to, but I guess I will say I think that if any of these teams except DRX played in the finals, I think it would have been a closer finals than T1 because of the, the way those matchups work. Um, yeah, and, and we did we did say, guys, that uh, we're not discounting T1. We just think that T1 is the worst possible matchup for Damwon Kia because of their... their T1 has a really yeah. good uh, ability to read Damwon Kia's craziness and find win conditions. And so, like, that's bad for Damwon Kia because even if they have a superior draft, like we're talking about... Damwon Kia doesn't know how themselves how to use it, so they kind of rely on their opponents also not knowing. But T1's really good at knowing their win conditions, and they were able to. They played T1 played really well in that game five versus yeah. Damwon Kia. They played real yeah, well. Yeah, and I, I I thought you were gonna say something different. I thought you were gonna say that just uh, T1 was a really bad matchup for Gen G, and um, which is why I you know I would give the edge to Damwon to have a better finals. But it was it was really unfortunate for the way the finals turned out because of it, because I think we could have had an epic series between Dom one and Genji that, uh, yeah, that Genji still won. And all the narrative points was still stuck, but we'd have like seen Genji tested a little bit more, but that's not what we got to see. So in the world where live sandbox plays against KT, we've talked about that, like being super volatile, dove being a huge weak link. We've talked about this a lot on the show. I think that's one way it could go. KT's favor, um, is the top side of the map, obviously, because we're still playing on the same patch. As far as I know, for the regional qualifiers. I don't think we're moving to 1215. It would be and really ridiculous for them to move to 1215 three days after a 1214 yeah. finals. You would Because yeah. th all the teams have been practicing on 1214 because they were practicing against the teams in the finals. They were scrimming against yes. the teams in the finals. So yes. having a different batch would be very weird. So if uh, Damwon faces off against KT, it gets really interesting because we don't know... We don't know if uh, Birdall or Nuggery is playing. And this matchup, I think, is way less significant against Dove for the first series that we're talking sure. about. Way more significant against Rascal, how that plays out between which one of those two players is going to play. And I'm leaning towards, based on what we saw, and every time I have a feeling about what Damwon's going to do, Danny does the opposite, so who knows. But feels like they're going to be using primarily Birdall, based on what we saw in that last series. But who knows? But I think that having that uncertainty about who your top laner is going to be is the worst possible scenario if you're facing against Rascal. If you face against Kingen, 
you don't care. If you face against Dove, you don't care. But against Rascal, that is a strong point for KT and a weak link for Damon Kia potentially, depending on form of Birdall slash Nuggery that day. Um, Canyon has looked a lot stronger in, in that, obviously, that best of five against T1. He had a big return to form at the end of regular season as well. So that matchup between him and Cuz, I think, becomes really interesting. And the mid lane is Showmaker versus Vikla, which I have to give the edge to Vikla right now. <laughs> so uh, it's weird because all of these four teams match up so differently against each other, you can't make yeah. a tier list and be like, okay, if this team goes, then they lose to this team. Like, it's not a transitional property kind of list you can make. It's like a rock, paper, scissors type thing where... It's like Dom Juan beats DRX 100%, but maybe loses to KT, and Live Sandbox also potentially loses to KT, but beats DRX every time. It's very weird to like try to quantify yeah. this and, bracket. And for, for those of you who look at the Live Sandbox Dom Juan Kia matchup and you are trying to think about their regular season games, I would remind you that even though Live Sandbox won very convincingly the last time they played Dom Juan, uh, it was Bible's first LCK match, and so I wouldn't say that's super indicative of what the performance is going to be in this series. And it's it's especially true because Domwon did step up with their veterans in best of fives. And yes, in many ways, they were disappointing, and like it was weird that they were playing Birdall instead of Nuggery. But at the end of the day, having their veteran status in BO5s, especially with Showmaker and Canyon, I think really showed itself. And... The thing about Dom one is you just never know what they're going to do. They've got a lot of weird shit. And like that's their that's their power is that they have this insane champion pool flexibility and ability to play off meta. Are they are they necessarily good at playing these comps? No, but you have to at the end of the day, they're they can be better at playing them than you are at reading them unless you're T1. Yeah, I, I also think that. My biggest problem with how Live Sandbox plays the in the LCK and how they play their drafts and their play style, which is so predictable, is that they often will force fights on objectives where their comp is not at its spike, their opponents are spiking, they do not have positional advantage, and against most teams in the LCK, doesn't matter. They're just so mechanically good that they just win anyways, they're more decisive, they're faster, but that experience you were just talking about that Damwon Kia has makes this more complex. Damwon Kia can play a very slow draft, a turtley draft, and just sit back and play ranged. And then Croco becomes not a strong link for Southern Samus, but a potentially a liability in those types of drafts. And given the extra time that Damwon Kia have to prepare for this series as well, there's all these extra things that make me feel like even though Liv Sandbox might on paper, especially on in this meta, be the stronger team, in a best of three and a best of five, I don't know if I really feel like this matchup favors them. And the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, the more I feel pretty confident that Damwon Kia could just outsmart them. And we saw Liv Sandbox on that Gen G series in the semifinals, that final game, that game four, just really misunderstand fundamentally how their comp was supposed to work and, and where their spikes were. And then they just gave, literally just gave up and just were like, well, we'll force another fight. And it's like, if Live Sandbox can't just be the better hands team and just win by default on these fights, it feels like the brain is off on all five players. And like, it's a hive mind that that's not healthy for how they should be playing some of these compositions. I think, I think the other thing too, is that Canyon was actually a lot better in playoffs than he was during the regular season. And a lot of Damon Kia's losses came because he was getting like shit on by Pioshik or shit on by Krakow. And I don't, I just don't think that's going to happen in a playoff series. So, I think Canyon's individual form has looked a lot better. Yeah. And assuming that, like, let's just assume for, like, argument's sake that Liv Sandbox does win and Damwon Kia plays against KT. Um, there are ways in which, so just explaining the, like, rock, paper, scissors, for there are ways in which Damwon Kia against Live Sandbox, if you're thinking about the shakiness of Birdall slash Nuggery, this is going to be a matchup on the top side of the map where Dove isn't going to punish you. He's never punished anybody before. Um, <laughs> and Rascal Will... He's a symbol Will, of peace. That's why he's named Dove, Wolf. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, it's a big, it's a big meme. I, I don't know exactly a hundred percent because there was a rumor that he picked it because he played a lot of his ear, but there was a rumor that he like just saw the soap bar, like the Dove soap bar, and picked that. So there's like a bunch of dra fan drawings and fan signs with the soap bar. I don't know the origin of his name, but. He has been peaceful. That'll be okay, that'll be a good side. that'll be a good reversal for when he becomes a hyper aggressive dominant jungler later in his career because he can just <laughs> yell "pick up the soap" at people uh, as he's beating <laughs> them down. <laughs> Damn, Monty, too real. Uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't roll swap a third time in his career. It might be in a different region if that's happening. Maybe he could do that in the LJL or something. But uh, uh, so KT have that that extra angle going for them. And I think the strong point for Lift Sandbox is that they have Prince, uh, who, against aiming, isn't a strong edge necessarily um, because they're both a very similar style of player. They both are really good at the late game. But against Dom and Kia, it's a, it's a one strong edge you do have, in fact, because Duck Dom has not looked great this season. You know, he just hasn't overall been a very consistent player. Um, it's been more about did Canyon show up, did Showmaker show up, and what is Nuggery playing on the top side of the map? Is Nuggery playing? Um, these have kind of been the more, uh, I guess, consistent and more important parts of Don Kia's roster. And it's sad because I think Prince is sometimes underutilized in Live Sandbox because of his team's very aggressive nature. Where he's like, guys, I, I didn't even build my first item yet. We don't fight. I'm Zeri. Like. No, I'm super good at the late game. Like, can we just slow it down a little bit so I can actually carry, please? <laughs> All right. So if we had to predict, it sounds it sounds like you, you're you eating the KT Razor cake. It sounds like you think Dom Juan Kia is going to be the third seed and that KT, I, I think what we're in agreement on is that KT will definitely beat DRX, right? Yes. That much we, we feel, I think are We feel good about that. Agreement. Yes. Um, the question becomes, and, and here's the weird thing, Wolf, if DRX wins, they've had a very good matchup versus Dom Juan Kia this entire year where, like I said earlier, Pioshik is actually just like dumpstered Canyon. Um, so that becomes really strange all of a sudden. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but something to consider. And yeah. so we think Dom Juan Kia will beat Live Sandbox. I think that feels fair. Um... And then it's between Live Sandbox and KT for the final world slot. I think I, I've i lost my confidence in KT. I think Live Sandbox probably wins that. Seems like you're like 55 to Yeah, I'm like 55 KT. towards KT, but it really just depends on what KT shows up on the day. And if it's the same KT that showed up, or rather didn't show up in the playoffs, um, <laughs> I mean, they did. I'm definitely Until not the last on, on their, their side. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very difficult match to predict because we don't know the the current form. The same way it was uh, difficult maybe to I predict do take T1 KT. Dumb. That 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 Dove the 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 Dove Rascal matchup is so titillating. I mean that's that's <laughs> how they like KT, smashed right? them three zero, but also <laughs> lost in their last series where they were like Rascal. This guy is so weak that we are gonna give you a Leeson top pick in Tanar. Oh, just terrible. kill him, and he did. And it wasn't even a. It's like not even meta. It's not strong, and it's been super nerfed. And he's like, Nah, it's still good. Watch me do it. And then he did it. <laughs> and we were like, Wow. And then he ran it down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very hard to snowball that lead. It has to be said. Like it, it was kind of bad, but it was a bad. It, it looked good, and but objectively was kind of a bad pick. Oof. Uh, man, Rascal also lost that game by pushing the, the mid-inhib when they were supposed to be doing dragon. Like, KT had the perfect vision control, and then Rascal was just on Gwen walking into the mid while his team got wiped. Ooh, that's tough, man. That's tough. It's hard. Like, I think both of these teams' strengths are not in their brains, but in their hands. And so, like, that's why you get this, like, high variability between these two. And, like... The thing is, Wolf, I think as much as, like, I, 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 I'm I being swayed by your KT arguments, and I think, I think probably they have a slightly better chance to win, I, I would rather see Live Sandbox at Worlds because I think Me it would too. be more fun. Me too. I, I, I actually would, ideally, like, again, without saying who's the best, like, personally, I would rather see both live sandbox and kt at worlds because i want to introduce two new lck teams to the world instead of dom one kia who everyone has these preconceived notions is just going to be the best seed because of the history they have because a lot of people watching worlds don't watch the lck 
they'll be like, oh, that's the one that won 2020 and also went to the finals in 2021. But actually, this is not our most dominant team. It's a very different roster. So I, I would rather just for like showing the LCK to the world, see both two new teams of players get that world's experience. But since that's probably not going to happen, I do think Live Sandbox will be a more fun team. And if they go to play-ins as well, it's going to be like the, oh, my hands are so much better than you, like Stomp Fest uh, Live Sandbox run through the uh, through the play-ins tournament. And I think that'll be fun. The one, the one thing I, like if I'm thinking about both these teams are not the most heavy on the decision-making, I think one thing that's a, similar to Owner and Peanut, but on like a smaller like B-tier level is the matchup between Cuz and Croco because I think Croco is a much stronger mechanical player than Cuz is. But I think Cuz has, in recent times, been very smart with his pathing um, and is makes really good decisions and is a more passive player and is trying to play more around his lanes instead of like just trying to carry straight up team fights or look for picks. So that's a, that's a really interesting matchup if that that one does come to pass. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to keep keep our eyes on these matchups overall because uh, it it really is going to depend which teams win. Although even if Damwon loses, I don't see them losing probably two best of fives here. That would be a monumental choke for, them, I think, in their current form. Yeah, that's. I I don't see it. I don't. I mean, what if you lose to Live Sandbox? you probably are then able to identify what your problems are and improve. I think, I mean, this team has a really robust coaching staff. I mean, Danny is a very controversial coach, of course, but I think they have the ability to, if they get even stomped by Liv Sandbox, recover and then go and beat KT a second time where there's not even a mental block there because they already had just beaten them in playoffs. So that would be, I mean... It would give me what I what I want uh, in that I get the sandbox KT, but I I don't think I can predict that's going to happen. I don't see it. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, uh, I think that's going to be that's going to be it for this show, guys. Uh, we will be back to discuss the regional qualifiers next week uh, once they are concluded. We will have a show discussing the final implications of all four teams heading to the world championship. And then also we are going to do more episodes of this show during Worlds focusing specifically on the Korean teams for you guys. So if you guys are fans of the Korean teams and you want a more in-depth take, because obviously we'll be running Summoning Insight talking about all the teams, but we have much more time to do the deep dives into the Korean rosters and the Korean performance specifically at the world championship so you guys can uh, of course look forward to that as well and uh thanks a lot for watching remember to subscribe we'll see you next week